Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Thursday, May 31st, 2018, broadcasting from the Beantown USA studio. Beantown USA is Boston's go-to destination for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownusa.com. Today's show is presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using my promo code PIC. That's P-I-C. And now is your chance to take advantage of the simplicity of daily fantasy baseball at DraftKings. Why commit to an entire 162-game season with the same roster when you can draft a brand-new team every single day. Sign up right now and play for free with your first deposit by, again, using promo code PIC. That's P-I-C at DraftKings.com. And with baseball season in full swing, that means so is golf season. And this summer, you can swing for less with Golf Ball Monkey. Go to GolfBallMonkey.com right now to get the best deal on golf balls that you're going to find anywhere on the internet. Use promo code PICK to get 5% off any order and get free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. They have Titleist, Callaway, Nike, Pinnacle, Bridgestone, TaylorMade, and more. Golf Ball Monkey sells premium, slightly used golf balls at a discounted rate. And with that, I know what you're thinking. Used golf balls? Really, Danny? Well, think about this. How many times have you opened a brand new box of balls that probably cost you about 60 bucks? You took one ball out, put it on a tee, hit it once, and lost it. A lot, right? Then what do you do? You take out another new ball, you hit that one, and you're probably thinking, well, what happened to the first ball I lost? I'll tell you what happened to it. Golf Ball Monkey found it, and it's still good as new. At Golf Ball Monkey, they harvest, buy, and sell premium used golf balls to wholesalers, retailers, and people like me and you. A dozen balls will typically cost you around 50, 60 bucks, but at Golf Ball Monkey, you can get a dozen premium balls for under $20. I have a dozen Pro V1s right here in front of me that cost $12.95, and while they say used on the box, they might as well be brand new. And oh yeah, not a bad Father's Day gift either. Father's Day is right around the corner. So uh, make sure you go to golfballmonkey.com and use promo code PIC. Again, golfballmonkey.com, promo code PIC, P-I-C. Swing for less this summer at Golf Ball Monkey. Welcome to the show. I am back. Took a little vacation. Uh, I'm all tanned up right now, or at least as tanned as I could be. The one... You know, the one thing I will say that's different from me returning from this vacation than than when I returned from other vacations in the past, I'm not burnt. I didn't get burnt. And usually I get burnt. Like, I get burnt the first day. But uh, I was pretty good with the SPF on this vacation. I was pretty good with it. Pretty good. So I didn't get burnt. So I don't have those awkward moments when I'm out and about, or I'm in a store, or I'm going to get a coffee, or going to get a sub, I don't have those awkward moments and conversations with strangers who try to tell me I got too much sun, who try to tell me I got sunburnt, and then the second person after that confirming my sunburn, like I don't know, if I'm sunburnt I know, but I don't have to deal with that right now, got a nice little tan going on. So uh, no burn, no sunburn, back from vacation, and I missed a lot, I missed an awful lot. By the way, if you want to know... Uh, where I did go, and where I did take myself on this little break, vacation if you want to call it that, you should watch episode 4 of my new YouTube series called 363 Off the Air. You can find it on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Danny Picard. Uh, go watch episode 4 right now if you want to know where I went, if you want to know why I went there, and uh, keep checking back or at least subscribe to my YouTube channel and just hit the notifications button so that when episode 5 drops soon, you will know a little bit more about maybe why I'm back, uh, how I came back, and you'll you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. It's a storyline that you're going to want to watch. So uh, go watch episode 4 if you haven't already, and if you have watched it, go watch it again. Share it. Tell people about it. Tell them to watch it. 363 off the air. It is my new YouTube series, youtube.com slash Danny Picard. And uh, there's another new show that I'm about to launch on my YouTube channel. So another reason for you to go subscribe, youtube.com slash Danny Picard. So what did I miss while I was gone? Huh? What did I miss? There's a lot of stuff that I'm going to, I'm going to touch upon on this show. 
Um, I will close out the show with my thoughts on Hanley Ramirez being designated for assignment by the Boston Red Sox and now basically has been released. And, I, you know, I'm recording this on Thursday morning, May 31st. So by the time you listen to this, maybe Hanley Ramirez has already signed with another team. He will be a free agent. He will be able to sign with whoever he wants. But uh, the fact that he was DFA'd, I was, I was shocked by that news. So I will react to that and talk about the Hanley Ramirez Red Sox stuff to close out the show. I am going to open up with, like, I think the the number one topic on this show today, like if I had to take all the things that I missed and say what's number one, I do think it's the NBA. I think it's the NBA Finals. I think it's Golden State versus Cleveland for a fourth straight year. I think it's LeBron James in his eighth straight NBA Finals you know, the debate right now is is hot with LeBron versus Jordan. Who's the greatest of all time? Do you put Kobe Bryant into that conversation? I mean, I think Kobe Bryant's in the conversation. Now, you know, at the answer... Every, look, nobody's ever going to have a correct answer to who is the greatest player of all time in the NBA. There's never going to be a right answer. Everybody has their own opinion. I think a majority of people believe it's Michael Jordan. Me personally, at this stage, especially knowing he's not done and I don't think he's close to done, I think it's LeBron James. I think LeBron James is the GOAT in the NBA. I think he's the greatest of all time. Eight straight NBA Finals appearances. If you're not impressed by that, then you just don't like the guy. So a lot of the stuff that you're hearing and going to hear about LeBron James you know, for the next couple weeks during the NBA Finals, whether it's the debate of the greatest of all time or whether it's, you know, people trying to predict the final series and whether or not LeBron has a shot, a lot of the opinions you will hear and analysis you will you will hear about LeBron James, whether it's, you know, local analysts or, or media members and sports talk radio hosts and TV personalities, national, local, whatever it may be, most of the analysis y'all going to hear about LeBron James will be opinions that are based on what they want to see happen with LeBron James and how they actually feel about LeBron James, the person, not necessarily the basketball player. And, you know, that's a product of his personality, which I've mentioned many times can be eye-rolling, right? It's, you know, the fact that he does seem like somebody who loves himself and he lets that be known in interviews. He lets that be known on social media. Uh, you know, there are things that he does and says where you're like, Jesus, get over yourself. Please, we get it. You're, you're a great player. You don't need to keep, you don't, need, you don't need to remind us of that with your words or your, or your tweets or your Instagrams. Like, you don't need to do that. Um, we get it. So his personality can be a little too much and, and people take that and, and they just don't like the guy. I mean, Unless you're a Cleveland Cavaliers fan, you probably don't like LeBron James, whether it's his personality or him as a a player. But the NBA fan in me, and I'm not telling you I like LeBron James, the NBA fan in me, though, understands what he's doing. Like, so I'm not going to analyze LeBron James' career based on whether or not I like his personality. Because like I told you, I don't really like his personality. But I can, I can still look at this thing logically. And logically, I think LeBron James is the greatest of all time. I, I will get, that's, gonna, that's like the meat of this podcast. That's going to be the, the number one topic. It's just I got to knock a couple things off the list before I do get into that and then close it out with my thoughts on Hanley Ramirez. There's just so much going on. You know, you, 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 you try to take the top stories, what, top five maybe? Let me just knock a couple out real quick. Quick hits. Um, Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski still not present at Patriots OTAs. I don't know if anybody really expected them to be present based on what we have previously seen with the optional workouts and, and their absence with those. So, uh, Brady, Gronk, at least as I'm recording this on Thursday morning, there's another workout here on this Thursday afternoon and, and maybe they'll be at that. I don't expect them to. No Brady, no Gronk. At least on Wednesday. Kobe Bryant was there, though. So, uh, an L.A. Laker great was there. 
and two New England Patriots greats, current Patriots greats, were not. But mandatory minicamp is really the time where you got to watch out for. I mean, if they're not at mandatory minicamp, then you got a major issue. Is this a major issue right now? I mean, I think you could call it an issue because of all the things that we've talked about this offseason, the, the messages that Brady and Gronk have been sending. And I've gone on the, the rant on those two many times where I am Team Belichick right now. I'm Team Belichick. But, uh, you know, if they're not showing up at mandatory minicamp, then you get a major issue. Let's wait until that. Let's wait, wait until mandatory minicamp. But I think they'll both be at mandatory minicamp because they both have essentially committed to the, to the upcoming season, right? They've committed to it verbally. So I expect them at mandatory minicamp. So how at the end of the day, how big of a deal is it that they're not at OTAs? Maybe not that big of a deal. Another NFL storyline while I've been gone was, you know, the national anthem issue. NFL just, I don't know what it is about the NFL and just not getting things right. Is it because they're led by the wrong guy in Roger Goodell? Maybe. But the owners in the NFL came to a unanimous decision to put in a new rule that was going to say, you're either going to stand for the national anthem or you're not going to come out to the field for it at all. They're basically giving the players an option to not come out to the field for the national anthem. But if you're out in the field for the national anthem, they say you have to stand or there's going to be some type of punishment, which I think is a fine Um, look, in a vacuum, I personally don't think this is a terrible rule. Like, me personally, I told you, I stand for the National Anthem. I think, you know, people have a right to do whatever they want to do. But, you know, if you're going to say, hey, this is the way it's going to be, you stand or you don't come out. In a vacuum, I don't think that's a terrible rule because it's like, well, if if you don't want to stand for the national anthem, yeah, don't don't come out for it. If At least you have that option, I, right? So, in a vacuum, it's not a bad idea, but we're talking about the NFL, and we're talking about the fact that the NFL has been in the headlines. This is, I mean, this is basically where this began, in the NFL. And the NFL decides to come up with a rule we're then now going to take a player that is going to kneel for the National Anthem and they're going to make it an even bigger issue by punishing the guy. So if you do want, if, if you came up with this rule to sort of, I don't know, make this go away, I think you made it a bigger issue because now you're going to have a player that's going to kneel for the National Anthem and now there's going to be a headline on that guy. Like, now it's a story. Like, the NFL, by punishing a player for kneeling for the National Anthem, will create an even larger story than if there was no rule at all and a guy kneeled for the National Anthem. And I, I think, you know, watching the NFL, I think we know what's going to happen. I think we're used to seeing it now the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think it ends up being, you know, I think we I think we move on and we we say, hey, these guys have a right to do what they want to do. And, and, you know, I'm here to watch, me personally, I'm here to watch football. So... Let me know when the game starts, right? I mean, to me, no rule would be the best rule. But the NFL just continues to get things wrong. I mean, we shouldn't be surprised by this. But they are now, I think, this new rule is going to make it an even bigger deal and a bigger story when a guy does kneel for the national anthem. Because now there's going to be a punishment for that player, and that's going to be a headline on its own, and we're going to keep talking about it. I want to get to the point where we don't have to talk about it anymore. Where I don't have to talk about the, I don't have to sit here and analyze what goes on during the national anthem. That's the, that's what I, I I'd like to get to that point. The NFL has decided, no, oh, you know what? <laughs> Let's start punishing guys for kneeling for the national anthem, and maybe this thing will go away. Like, uh, on what planet would you believe? Punishing a guy for, for kneeling for the national anthem is going to make this thing go away. Holy shit. So, uh, the NFL gets this one wrong. As they usually do, so we shouldn't be surprised. And, uh, what else we got here? Well, there's this crazy story in the NBA that 
I mean, is it an NBA story or is it a Twitter? Is it a society? This is a story about the society we live in more than anything, I think. Brian Colangelo, Philadelphia 76's president of basketball operations, is being investigated by his own organization for using several burner Twitter accounts. And this is according to, and this is what I'm calling it, according to a sneaky-as-fuck report by The Ringer. And it's funny that The Ringer is the, is the news outlet that's reporting this. Because if anybody knows, if anybody probably knows about sneaky, slimy burner accounts on Twitter, it's probably Bill Simmons. How many burner accounts do you think Bill Simmons has? On, honestly, how many do you think he's got? Five? How many accounts can you have on Twitter? Is there a max? Like, could you, is it only like three max per email or something? I don't know. What is it? Well, whatever the max is, I'm willing to bet Bill Simmons has that. So if anybody knows about sneaky, anonymous, slimy burner accounts, it's probably Bill Simmons. It is. This is a report by The Ringer that, and by the way, also hilarious that right now, in the sports media world, this is a major story. And you got all these sports media members who are on their soapbox about this one. It is absolutely hilarious to me that it's the sports media that's on their soapbox. As if the sports media is not the most insecure, paranoid group of people on, on Twitter, on social media. <laughs> like, it's hilarious to me that I have to listen to sports media members sort of preach to us about burner accounts when they probably have five of them themselves. And, like, we don't know that that, that that's the case with some of these guys. Hilarious to me. It's a sports media on their soapbox about anonymous burner accounts when I'd be willing to put all of my money on the fact that sports media members probably own the most burner accounts on Twitter out of anybody in any industry. That, that, that's the way I look at it. Uh, and, you know, look, don't get me wrong. I've done a little digging at times on a couple Twitter accounts that were coming at me with, with some, you know, some eyebrow raising stuff. Like, why do you say, huh, why do you, how do you know about that? Why would you say that? That's weird. And that's weird that you don't want to put a real name to it either. Um, you know, you want to go by, you know, Celtics for life. 617 that that's weird that somebody with that with that account it would 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 know that about me like I've done a little digging at times and and I've 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 connected the dots and I've told you I've connected the dots on 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 some things on social media with regards to these fake anonymous accounts um but there's doing that type of digging and then this actually going through with an all-out investigation. So the ringer goes out, goes through with this all-out investigation. And they report this thing as if Brian Colangelo murdered somebody. Right? Now, again, I'm not saying that... The, I'm not saying that it's right to go out and create anonymous fake accounts on social media. But it's another thing to report somebody on it as if this is the biggest scandal in the history of the world. And that this is one of the biggest issues that's going on. I mean, in my opinion, the report from the ringer is almost worse than the, the, the quote-unquote crime that they're reporting on, in my opinion. I mean, they get this big report, and it's turned into this big thing, and it's like, oh, now it's connected, it might be connected to his wife. It's like, at the end of the day, these are anonymous Twitter accounts that nobody should really take seriously, and we should all move on. Instead, reporters at the ringer were tipped off by anonymous Twitter accounts, and they kept their eye on them. And they even, what did they do? They, they contacted Colangelo, and, and they said, hey, like, are these your... Uh, these are Twitter accounts, but they only gave him two, and they had like a handful of them. And what did he do? Deny it or something? And then that, right after they contacted him, the other three that they didn't mention became private. 
mysteriously were, were blocked, like became private accounts. And I think that we kind of tipped them off. But it's like, that not that, like, how sneaky are we getting about, it's one thing that you want to do a little dig in, like have a little fun, be like, ah, you know what? I connected the dots on a couple things. You come out with this report after. It's just, to me, this is such a sneaky as fuck report by the ringer. Like, do I <laughs> think about what we're doing right now? Think about what we are talking about. We're talking about anonymous Twitter accounts. All right, it, this guy in the 76ers organization, it would be the equivalent of Danny Ainge having Twitter accounts in which he is trying to explain things that have been done because Colangelo, uh, uh, you know, allegedly is using these anonymous accounts you know, to knock certain players, whether it's Embiid or Fultz, and, and sort of explain things that have gone wrong with the organization and, and really defend himself through a not But again, it's an anonymous account. Like, at what point did they say, hey, all right, they were tipped off, but at what point were they like, was the ringer like, yeah, we're now, now we are taking, you know, we're going to take anonymous accounts seriously. Like, I just, the whole thing to me is stupid. And... It, 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 the report, the way they report it, like, you would have thought, you're, I'm reading this thing going, wait, what? A, I had to, like, pick my head up about five minutes in and go, wait, what are we, ta- are we talking about anonymous accounts on Twitter? <laughs> somebody else, somebody else, like some NBA reporters on Twitter, like, oh, someone's going to lose their job here. I'm like, he's going to lose his job? Um... It's so weird. Uh, it, it, it honestly, it just, it says more about our society than anything. The world we're living in. We're living, we're living in a world. I mean, look, Kevin Durant had a burner account. Again, the funniest part is how many insecure, paranoid reporters from the ringer own a burner account? Right? How many? What, nobody at the ring owns a burner account? Come on. I mean, again, what are we talking about right now? What are we doing? We're going on, and we're talking about anonymous Twitter accounts and reacting to this as if, you know, the guy committed a murder. You know, should he be giving out some some of this information via anonymous? No, I... I'm not trying to defend Colangelo. Obviously, the guy's a fucking boob. The guy's a loser. The guy's insecure. He's paranoid. Everything that you need to be to own one of these anonymous accounts, right? Obviously, he's, you don't need me to tell you that, that he belongs under that category, and I don't take the guy seriously now because these things have been linked to him. But I just feel like the 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 way that we are going to go, the way that the ringer went about reporting this, went about investigating this, like this was such a crime, and what it's now turned into, and the the people that I have to listen to analyze this, who I know earn, you know, own burner accounts of their own, holy shit, this story is so stupid, it's not even funny, so stupid, I mean, it's a wild story, don't get me wrong, but it's stupid, On on top of it all. And uh, at the end of the day, the world I want to live in is that we look at an anonymous Twitter account from the get-go and, you know, maybe even if we do find something, we all kind of move on. I've told you I've done a little digging and I've found certain accounts to be linked to to, to certain people. And, and am, I, am I sitting here hopping about it? Am I even tweeting about it? Am I even at the end of the day caring about it? When I hit stop recording this show, I move on with my day and I try, I try not to let anonymous Twitter accounts bother me. So, um, it's a story of anonymous Twitter accounts, which really is a story about the society we live in. And, uh, with that, I guess you could say we get to the biggest NBA story, with the most important NBA story, which again is the NBA Finals. Yeah, we get the Stanley Cup Finals going on. The Stanley Cup Finals tied at one. Washington won game two in Vegas. The Golden Knights got these crazy, these crazy ceremonies before the game. 
Um, if you don't want to, if you're upset with the ceremony, don't watch. Most people I know like the ceremony. I guess, you know, I, I, I watched them. It didn't, didn't do anything for me. It's, it's different. There's no question. I'm not mad about it. I don't leave it going, oh, wow. I, I want Vegas to win now. Everybody wants Vegas to win anyways because of what they are. The, the Vegas Golden Knights are a group of guys that nobody wanted. Their teams didn't want them. And the Golden Knights, you know, they chose these players uh, in the expansion draft. It's a group of guys that nobody wanted. And they've been using that as motivation all season long. Me personally, I'm rooting for Alex Ovechkin. I'd love to see Ovechkin hoist the cup. I think he's one of the best players who has ever played in this league. And I think it would be a travesty if he ended his career not hoisting that thing. So, I think of the great players that have hoisted the cup. You know, think of the Lemuse, the Gretzkys, the Crosbys. Um, you know, you can go on and on. And, and you know some of the greats who haven't. And, and it sucks. You know, it sucks that you don't get that shot, that picture, that video. And so I don't want that to happen with Ovechkin. He's too good. He's too dominant. And he's too special a player in this league to not hoist the cup. I'd love to see Ovechkin hoist the cup. I'm rooting for Ovechkin. He scored that power play goal. It was a power play last night where he's in his in his little area in that left circle. And uh, he puts it home. And so I'm rooting for Ovechkin. A lot of people, I, I, I feel like I'm in the minority on that one. I feel a lot of people are rooting for Vegas, but I'm rooting for Ovechkin. That's what I'm doing. Ovechkin, I want him to win the cup. So uh, that's the Stanley Cup Finals. They're tied at one, and that series now moves to D.C. Uh, but the NBA Finals is the top story. It's Golden State. It's Cleveland. It's four straight years of this now. And I don't know, are you sick of it? Look, the Celtics fan in me wanted the Celtics to be here. Wanted the Celtics to, to win that Game 7 at home against Cleveland in the Eastern Conference Finals. Even though I was away, I was on vacation, I watched every game. I watched every moment of every game that Eastern Conference Finals series. I watched a lot less of Golden State-Houston, but I watched a lot of Celtics-Cleveland. And I watched Game 7. And even though the Celtics lost that Game 7, I'm not going to sit here and cry about that. I'm not crying over Game 7. I wasn't really crying over Game 7 when they lost. It it obviously hurts to lose that game. Who didn't want to be in the NBA Finals? But um, I think... Get into Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals without Kyrie, without Gordon Haywood, uh, and not just getting to that point and losing, but getting to that point and losing to the best player in the world. A guy who right now, like I told you in the Open, is in this conversation of the greatest of all time with Michael Jordan and some people's eyes with Kobe Bryant and, and a couple others. But I mean... LeBron James going to his eighth straight NBA Finals. That's crazy. Say that out loud. Eight straight NBA Finals appearances. That's nuts. That's bananas. You don't do that unless you're one of the one of the greats, one of the all-time greats, and still one of the best plays in the world. LeBron James is one of the best plays in the world. So the Celtics, they went to Game 7 with that group. They, uh, the Eastern Conference Finals, and they lost to the best player in the world. I'm not necessarily crying over that, but also I'm not crying over it because I, I think what we saw was the emergence of a superstar in Jason Tatum. Superstar. It was wonderful to see his emergence. And if you didn't feel that, then I don't think you were watching it. I mean, Jason Tatum, the poise, you know, he played like a 10-year vet. There were moments where his body language was like, ah, he's a rookie, he's a young kid, and he's frustrated, and, um, you know, you'd like to see him keep it together. You know, his body language, keep it together a little bit better than that. But he just turned 20 years old in March, and it didn't take, it never took him long to bounce back from some of that poor body language that he expressed. Jason Tatum is not an all-star, he's not, he's not just a star, he's a superstar. He's an all-star superstar in this league. And he only had one season. He, the way he drives to the hoop, the way he can shoot from the outside. Um, 
just the confidence that he plays with when the lights were at their brightest. It's amazing to see. And and, and I never thought he would be this good this soon. I, I Even if you were on board with the trade when the Celtics traded out of one to get to three, I don't know how, even if you were on board with that move, I don't know how you could have thought Tatum would be this good this soon. To me, it's kind of crazy to see, but you got to accept it. It's We're not seeing things. That's real. The Jason Tatum emergence is real. So when you get Kyrie Irving back next year, when you get Gordon Hayward in the mix next year, you got Jalen Brown with another year under his belt. I mean, if LeBron James does run away to the West, which they're saying he's going to do, and, and I know that's a, that's a big-time conversation right now, where's LeBron going next year? Yeah, I've told Daddy he's going to Clippers. I mean, the Clippers just, they just re-signed Doc Rivers as their coach. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, is anybody wondering why? I think he's going to Clippers. People are saying Philly. I don't think so. I don't think he's going to Philly. I, I don't think he's going to Philly. I, you know, I think LeBron, if he's leaving... I think he made up his mind to where he's going like a year ago. And so the early reports and indications that he was leaving Cleveland because he wanted to go to L.A. because he has a home, what, a half hour away from the Staples Center? I think those things are real. Like, I think those are real-life conversations. I don't think all of a sudden it, he, he, he has those thoughts and then flips a switch in February or March and says, you know what, maybe I'll go to Philly. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think you go from committing to living in L.A. and playing in L.A. to committing to staying on the East Coast and going to Philly. Like I don't know. I don't think that's. I don't think that's happening. Um, I think he's going to L.A. I don't think he's going to Lakers. I, I, I'm, I've been pretty firm on this. I believe LeBron's going to Clippers. We'll see. That's conversation right now, though. But if LeBron does go to the West. You know, next year you get Kyrie coming back, Haywood coming back, the emergence of Tatum, Jalen Brown. Uh, you keep some of these other players around. I mean, look, it, it really is going to be the Celtics conference for the foreseeable future. And when the Celtics do get to the NBA Finals with this group, and I say when, not if, as good as Kyrie Irving is, Jason Tatum it's going to be his team. I feel that way. I believe that. After watching one season of this kid, I don't think that's an overreaction. I don't. A lot of people t- want to make the Paul Pierce comparisons, and I look at that and go, why not think bigger based on what we've seen so soon out of this kid? How good he's been so soon. How dominant he's been. The dunk on LeBron in Game 7 where he jams it on him and he sort of taunts him and bumps him and yells in his face after, that is a message. That is a message. You're the king, but I'm coming for your throne. You know, Mark Jackson, he gives that little little phrase for LeBron when they're going to commercial on ESPN. You know, mama, there goes that man. <laughs> He's going to be ta- saying that, using that phrase for Jason Tatum in a couple years. Like, that's how good I think Tatum is. So the emergence of Tatum, combined with the fact that this group, without Irving, without Haywood, you made it to Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals, and you lost that Game 7 to the best player in the world. I'm not crying about that. It's a tight look. It hurts not getting to the Finals when your one went away, obviously. But um, I think the smile that you should have on your face, that Tatum's emergence should put on your face, when you really do look at the rest that they had, I, I, I think the future that begins as soon as next year, right? Really, later this year, coming up this October, this November. It, it, it should make you happy as a Celtics fan. I'm not crying over Game 7, and I'm going to watch the NBA Finals, and I'm actually going to be entertained because I'm not... Obviously, I want the Celtics there, but knowing they're not there, you know, to hear complaints about people going, oh, Golden State, Cleveland again... You, what, you're, you're upset? What, you wanted to see Houston? No way. What, you wanted to see Chris Paul in street clothes on the sideline? You wanted to see James Harden 
missing shots, looking around like, oh, I, I, James Harden, there's just something about his body language that I just, it pisses me off. I did not want to watch Mike D'Antoni in the finals. Please give me Golden State Cleveland again. This is a rivalry of the ages. I, I'm excited to watch this. You know why I'm mostly excited to watch this NBA Finals, though? You know why? It's because right now, even with the, the, the LeBron debate, the debate that LeBron versus Jordan, who's the greatest of all time, even with that debate going on, the same people that are debating, oh, LeBron, is he the greatest of all time, that are putting him in that conversation right now, are the same people who are previewing the NBA Finals who are analyzing this thing, saying, oh, LeBron has no shot. He's got no shot. He's got no shot whatsoever. Cleveland's got no shot. You know, last year they had Irving, and they lost. Um, This year, they've got a crew that, you know, Kevin Love's banged up. He had the concussion. You know, LeBron has no secondary help. You know, Golden State is Golden State. They got Durant once again for a second straight year. Oh, no way. LeBron's got no shot. That's what they're telling us. But it's funny to me that the same people telling us he's got no shot are the same people who are having the debate today as to whether or not LeBron James is the greatest player of all time. Does that make any sense to you? Like, if, if you, you don't even have to say he is. You could be telling me that Michael Jordan's the greatest. But you're putting LeBron in the conversation. LeBron's in the conversation because he made it to an eighth straight NBA Finals, which is absolutely downright fucking bonkers if you take your Celtics jersey off for a second. All right? Take any other jersey that you have on. Take it off. Look at it as a just a sports fan, an NBA fan, and just the on-the-court stuff. A guy has led his team, not just went, but led his team to eight straight NBA Finals. I don't care what you think about the rest of the conference. I don't care what you think about the rest of the league. I don't care what you think about the the officials, the refs. It is an insane thing to take a player and then say he's led his team to eight straight NBA Finals. That's nuts. And LeBron's done it. One of the greatest of all time. In my opinion, he is the greatest of all time. But the same people that are just putting him in that conversation are the same people giving him no shot to win the finals. No shot whatsoever? None. I get it. Golden State's got the home court. That's big. Game one is tonight on this Thursday night in Golden State. The Warriors, a 12.5 point favorite in this game. 12.5 point favorite. I am giving LeBron James a shot. I'm giving him a shot. I have to give him a shot because I am continuing the theme of which seems to be not just this year. It seems to be last year, the year before, the year before that, the year before that, the year before that. And this theme, it doesn't begin in the finals. It doesn't begin in the conference finals. It doesn't begin in the second round. It doesn't even begin in the first round. It begins in like November, December. LeBron's team's had a little bit of a rough stretch. And, you know, these... They got to talk about something. First takes got to talk about something. What's that other goofy show on FS1? <laughs> that dude Nick Wright's got to, you know, he's got to talk out of his ass about something. So they overplay LeBron's struggles, Cleveland's struggles. The teams that LeBron is on when they struggle, they overplay it because they need something to talk about, but also they overplay it because they want LeBron to struggle. They want LeBron to fail, and this team has continued year in and year out. Year in and year out. Look at the first round. (laughs) How laughable is it? And I laughed about it. I told you on this show, was it the day after game one? Of the first round, Cleveland, Indiana. Indiana, what they won game one against Cleveland. Cleveland's down 1-0. And was it LeBron's quote after, was it after that game where LeBron was like, they asked him a question, like, oh, you're, you're down 1-0 to the Indiana Pacers. How are you, how, how are you, LeBron, how are you going to bounce back from this? And LeBron sat there with the microphone in his hand at a press conference. He sat there and he said, well, I mean, I've been down worse deficits. I've had 
I mean, I was down 3-1 in the NBA Finals. Came back and won it. I was down this, I was down that, came back and won it. And he, he, gives, that, he gives that quote. And instead of people going, well, he's right. Instead of people hearing that quote going, yeah, LeBron, you know what? He's right. He's got a point. He has, he has been down much larger deficits than 1-0 to the Indiana Pacers in the first fucking round. Instead of acknowledging that he's throwing out facts, they turn that into LeBron being selfish. They said, oh, LeBron said, me, me, I, I, I've been, you know, I've been in bigger deficits. Me, I've come back from bigger deficits. They, they, they made him sound selfish. I mean, you made him sound selfish in that moment because you wanted him to sound selfish. You wanted a LeBron James soundbite to make him look stupid, so you turned it in to a stupid soundbite to make him look selfish. Ridiculous. When it, all he did was throw out facts. And I sat here and laughed about it the next day on this podcast, and I said, are people really counting out LeBron James after one loss to the Pacers? Give me a break. Give me a break, people. I laughed at it, but it's the team. And the team, I keep telling you, do not count out LeBron James. When are we going to learn? But we're entering these NBA Finals, and at the same time, the very same time, that everybody and their mother around the league, analysts, media members, columnists, you name it, fans, at the same the same time that everybody is talking about LeBron James and whether or not he's the greatest of all of all time. It's him and, and Jordan. Is LeBron the greatest of all time? Eight straight NBA finals. At the same time that we're having that conversation, the same people who are putting him in that conversation, a preview in the NBA finals, Cavaliers, Golden State Warriors. And they're saying, ah, oh, LeBron's got no shot. <laughs> they're saying, ah, oh, he's got no shot. No chance. Not going to happen. Going to get whooped. LeBron's got no supporting cast. He's got nothing. He can't do this on his own. Can't happen. Golden State's too good. Give Golden State the title now. It's over. That's what they're saying. Me? I'm not saying that. Because it's the team. When are we going to learn? I mean, I, I've learned, and I've been saying this for the last couple of years, don't count out LeBron James. I, I'm not going to do it. To me, he's the greatest of all time. I'm not, telling you I, I, I'm not telling you I root for him. I'm not telling you I'm a fan of his personality. But uh, I like to try and think logically about this sport, about what it is, about how superstars win, and how LeBron James is the best superstar in the world. And if you put Steph Curry on this Cavaliers team instead of LeBron James, the Cavaliers would not be in the finals. If you put Kevin Durant on this Cavaliers team instead of LeBron James, this Cavaliers team would not be in the finals. I'm I'm sorry. They wouldn't. They wouldn't. LeBron James is the best in the world, and he's in the NBA Finals, and to me, because of that, he's got a shot. He's got a shot. You know, if they can get a little defense out of his supporting cast, they got a shot. They do. I, you can you can disagree with me all you want. We'll let it play out. Uh, I, I guess I've just, I've learned over the years to not count this guy out, and it's laughable to me. Like, if, if you wanted to say, you think Golden State's going to win this in six? Or you think Golden State, you know, they get the home court, game seven. You know, I, I, I put it on the Warriors. You know, I would take your opinion a little bit more seriously than people who come out and say, oh, sweet. it's got to be a sweep. It's got to be a clean sweep. It's got to be a clean sweep. Really? Really? Because also the same people that are telling me that, oh, Golden State's going to sweep, it's going to be a clean sweep especially in these parts, in Boston, a lot of these same people who say that. If I had asked you two weeks ago that if the Celtics get to the finals, will they have a shot? I bet you some of these people would have told me, yes, Celtics got a shot. But since it's not the Celtics and it's LeBron, oh no, he's got no shot. Come on now. Come on. What is it? What is it? What's it going to be? What's going to happen here in the NBA Finals? Golden State's 12 and a half point favorite. Would I be shocked to see Golden State, you know, light them up in game one? No, I wouldn't be shocked. 
I wouldn't be shocked, but it, it's a seven-game series. It's a seven-game series. To think that LeBron James, the best player in the world, is not going to make a seven-game series interesting, I just think is, if you believe that, I think you want to, I, I think you just, you want LeBron James to not make it interesting. You want him to fail miserably. You want LeBron James to get swept. And so you're telling me now that he will. And I get it. I'm in the minority on this one too. But I think LeBron James has a shot. I'm giving him a shot. I, I think I think this thing is going to go six or seven. I know last year it ended, what was it, five? Was last year five-game series? And obviously you look at Cleveland last year and they were a better team. Uh, LeBron has had a special pl- postseason. He's had a special playoffs here. And, uh, you know, for all the talk that this is it for him in Cleveland, is that a little, little extra for him? Is that a little bit extra for him? And again, some of the players that they did, it's funny too because they made the deadline deals, you know, they made the trades, you know, they got rid of Wade, they got rid of Rose, um, you know, they 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 brought in Nance, they brought in Hill, they brought in Hood. I mean, you know, I, there's a part of me that wonders if they made certain moves based on certain matchups that they thought they would have with Golden State. And and I'm not trying to sit here and sound like, uh, you know, a former NBA coach or give you, I'm not sitting there giving you the X's and O's on the game of basketball. I mean, I love the NBA. I, I watch, even though I am a hockey guy, I do, I admit, I watch more NBA than I do NHL. Um... But, I mean, is it crazy to think that Cleveland, you know, if we give LeBron all this, oh, LeBron's the GM, he's running the show, he's making moves. You know, he wanted this guy out, wanted that guy out, he did, he wanted this, wanted that. I mean, if we're going to say that, is it crazy to think that maybe LeBron saw something and, and envisioned an NBA Finals against Golden State and says, hey, here's a couple players we need that will help us more against this team. Is that crazy to think? And then when you get into the series, maybe we find out that, that they got it right. Let it play out before you rule the king out of the finals. Holy shit. It's amazing to me how many people think Golden State is just going to roll here. And, and I think they're going to have some big games. No question. That's the type of star-studded power that Golden State has. But to not give LeBron James a shot at all, to me, is is just a little too much of a sign that you just don't like LeBron James and you would love to see him get swept. More than you actually believe it's going to happen. And you've brainwashed yourself into believing that it will. That's what I think we... That's where I think we're at with LeBron James right now. But, uh... That's the NBA Finals, Game 1, tonight, Thursday night. I will be back on Monday to react to what we should get. We should get Game 2 of the NBA Finals in by July 4th, right? (laughs) How are they spreading these things out? I believe by Monday we'll have two games, and it'll be going to Cleveland for Game 3. So I'll react to the first two on Monday's podcast, back to the regular schedule next week. Um, but I am jacked up about the NBA Finals. I'm not asking for a... I mean, I'm obviously, I wish it was the Celtics, but since it's not the Celtics, I'm not complaining about this series, Warriors-Cavaliers. I'm not complaining about seeing this for a fourth straight time. I'm excited to watch it, actually. I am, and I'm excited to... I mean, LeBron James, for all the, for all the things he has going for him, I think the last thing he needs is bulletin board material, but he's got it! How does a guy who's in a conversation for the greatest of all time in the same week, in that same conversation, have so much bulletin board material? It, but he has it. It's insane. And I, I can't wait to see him try and use it. Because I think he's going to benefit from it. I think his whole team will. His whole team will. I think we'll be hearing some, Mama, there goes that man. In this NBA final series from Mark Jackson. But, uh... That's where we stand in the NBA and then here locally in Boston. Another major story that broke while I was on vacation was the Hanley Ramirez saga. I did not think I'd be returning to react to a story about Hanley Ramirez being designated for assignment. 
I just didn't, I just didn't think we'd be there. But he's gone. He's been released now. Well, they had, you designate for assignment, and that means you got seven days to either trade him or release him. They weren't going to trade him because there's this vesting option for next year for 22 mil, in which if Hanley Ramirez in 2017 and 2018 combined, if he had, what, 1,050 plate appearances or, or something along those lines, just over 1,000 plate appearances in those two years combined, then it would kick in the 2019 season at 22 mil. And so he was obviously on pace for the remaining 497 plate appearances that he needed to get this season total. Um, And it looked like that was going to happen. And if they trade him to a team, that team he was traded to, the vesting option would still exist. So essentially that team would be acquiring Hanley Ramirez and basically saying, well, we're not just acquiring him for this year. We got to pay the 22 mil on him next year. And so, I don't think you were finding any suitors for that, but if you just straight up released them and didn't trade them after a DFA, then that vesting option is gone. It's erased. It's delete, 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 delete. It's gone. So, uh, no more vesting option. He could sign with whoever he wants. I mean, I think he's looking at an American League team. I mean, you would think it's a team that is... It's got a shot, right? That's going to be going the, the the postseason. Now, by the time you listen to this, he might already be signed, sealed, and delivered. I have no idea. I have no idea. He's been playing first base this year. Let me just let me just react to the move itself because the move itself is interesting when you listen to Dave Dombrowski. Dombrowski basically says, look, we had to make a move to get Dustin Pedroia, who's now healthy, who's finished his rehab assignment, Dustin Pedroia ready to return. You got to make a corresponding roster move. What are you going to do? You know, certain guys are out of options. That would be a perfect, you know, a best case scenario, perfect world. Can't do that. Um, you got guys who are swinging a hot bat right now. Tough to t- tough to pull them away from a, a team that's playing so well. And either way, either way, a tough decision was going to have to be made to get Pedroia on the active roster. But Dombrowski said he wasn't going to make this move. He wasn't going to DFA Hanley until Alex Cora told him to. That's right. The manager, Alex Cora. Dave Dombrowski said Cora told him. He said, I think we should get rid of Hanley. That's the best move here. That's the best move. And, you know, we can we can listen to them talk about the reasons all they want. I do think at the end of the day, Alex Cora says this to Dave Dombrowski and then Dave Dombrowski agrees with it because I think they all believe that Hanley Ramirez was not going to be easy to deal with him moving forward. And, And here's why. One, he's trying to get those plate appearances. Two, he doesn't want to play first base. He doesn't. He wants to be DH. I mean, let's be honest about what Hanley wants. Hanley... Was, you know, came here, played left field, got moved to first base, then became the DH when David Ortiz left, thought, this is it. He thought, I'm the DH of the Red Sox. I'm the new Big Poppy, right? He wanted to be Big, big Poppy. He wanted to be the DH. Then, I mean, look, it was a tough regular season, but the Hanley Ramirez was the Red Sox best player last postseason. He was their best player. He has that type of postseason. Granted, it was one series, ALDS against what turned out to be the eventual World Series champion, Houston Astros. But Hanley was great. Hanley was the team's best player. What does the team do? They move him back to first base because they acquire J.D. Martinez. They sign J.D. Martinez, who obviously has played some outfield and has given Hanley some opportunity to be the DH. But... There's still some first base there, and Hanley said all the right things, and I actually told you about this at the beginning of the season. I didn't think the Hanley first base thing was going to end well without some type of issue behind the scenes because we have to be honest, Hanley just didn't want to play first base. He didn't want to play first base last year, and there's no way he liked seeing the team acquire a guy who was going to have to be DH a lot. 
because of the outfield you had with Ben Attendee, Bradley Jr., and Betts. Now, Bradley Jr.'s struggles at the plate have have kind of thrown a wrench into the plans of those outfield, and, and you could say is, is basically given Hanley some opportunity, like I said, to play some DH. But now you got Mitch Moreland in there. And it's like, well, if they want Mitch Moreland in the mix and he is having some success and Hanley is struggling in the month of May, which he did. Hanley had an awful month of May. Not only did Hanley not want to play first base this year, but he didn't want to platoon at first base. But but it also comes down to the plate appearances. To me, Cora going to Dombrowski saying, hey, we got to get Pedroia in, but here's a move I think you should make. Get rid of Hanley. With the manager saying that, that tells me that Hanley was either an issue right now or was showing some signs that he was going to be an issue moving forward with regards to playing first. And I think Cora looked at it and says, hey, if, if we want to, if I want to work this thing, manage this thing the best way possible by getting everybody some at-bats, you know, working the splits, you know, the lefty-righty stuff, keeping the hot guys in the lineup. If I want to do this, manage this the right way, then, you know, Hanley's going to have to agree to some of this stuff. And it doesn't feel like he's going to. So this might be the best move. To me, it's all about that. Hanley was becoming some type of issue behind the scenes because he didn't want to play first base. But um, I guess the way I look at this from a Red Sox fan standpoint is I have to keep asking the question, are you a better team with or without Hanley Ramirez? Like, what is the, like, if, if you weren't trying to get Mitch Moreland in so much, and if you weren't trying to, you know, maybe it's just Mitch Moreland, but what's the, I guess, what's the obsession with Mitch Moreland? Are you a better team with or without Hanley Ramirez? I keep asking myself that question, and the answer I keep coming up to is, you're a better team with him. As much as I think he could be an issue, I, I have to believe that when I look at his career, the month of May is historically his worst month. It's his worst month. The month of May is Hanley Ramirez's worst month. And, um, you know, you, you DFA him, and you're not even, from a baseball calendar standpoint, you're not even two full months removed from him being the best player on the team on the biggest stage in the postseason. And so, I, I get it. J.D. Martinez is playing great. I, like, I, you know, the J.D. Martinez thing is, and I I guess I keep coming back to with J.D. Martinez, and the reason I questioned that when they signed him was like, I questioned it because it's, I didn't see this coming from him because if everybody saw this coming, why wasn't he one of the most coveted free agents? Nobody wanted him. You know how long he held out for? You know why he held out? The asking price was high. But I tell you right now, I think if teams knew he was going to continue to look like this, I think they would have paid the price. So, man, it is, you know, J.D. Martinez is crushing it. There's no denying that. But, um... Are they a better team with that? Are they a better team with or without Hanley Ramirez? I think they're a better team with him. And so, really, it comes down to if if Hanley, if you told Hanley, you're playing, you're going to be our everyday first base the rest of the season. We're going to ride or die with you, even when you're struggling. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to go with Mitch Mullen and say you're platooning at first base because I think that's what this thing became. If they stuck with Hanley, which I think they probably should have, I don't think they would have DFA'd him. Right? I don't think they would have DFA'd him. He wouldn't be released. I would like to see Hanley still in the Red Sox. I would. I'd like to see him in an everyday role. There's going to be struggles. There's going to be times where, you know, we want to throw something at the TV because it looks like he doesn't want to be there. But if he is going to play like he played last postseason, which was like a man possessed at the plate, then I want him on my team especially if there's some motivation to get plate appearances and to actually play. 
I want him on my team. Like, I kind of feel like if there's any year that I do want to stick with Hanley, maybe it's this one. He wants to play. There's going to be struggles. He's gone. I don't necessarily think it's the right move. But there's no turning back now. I'm not telling you the Red Sox season is over because of it. I'm just telling you I would rather have Hanley Ramirez in an everyday role at first base than not have him. And if he wanted the everyday role, I get it. You say, well, step up and do something about it at the plate and break out of this slump. Well, slumps happen. Guys are going to slump. Hanley's going to slump. Historically, the month of May is his worst worst month. And uh, Cora threw the hammer down. I, maybe something happened. Maybe there was an issue. Maybe there was a fight, an argument. I don't know. But, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised by that either. I just think from a baseball standpoint... If you ask me right now, what's the... And, and I know Mitch Moreland has done some nice things, but I'm not taking him over Hanley. I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not doing it. And I'm somebody that's criticized Hanley many times for his attitude. I've, I've criticized him for his, you know, by looking at him from afar saying he thinks this is a big joke and it's not. This is the Red Sox. You know, act like it. I've criticized him for that. But right now with this group, seeing what he did last postseason, eh, eh, kind of wanted him on the team still. He's gone. I, I, I can't wait to see where he'll end up. I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know. I really don't. But he's going to go somewhere, I think, where he's guaranteed an everyday role. And if it's DH, American League, that obviously narrows it down. I mean, maybe it is a National League team to play first base. We'll, we'll see. We'll find out. But uh, whatever does happen, I will react to it. And then, of course, with the Red Sox, you got the David Price thing where he has the, what do you have, the little press conference where he he took a line drive off the chest, stayed in the game, credit where credit's due. But that's fine. I I think he would have got praised for that. But then he does the whole press conference where he's like, oh, you know what? No, I'm soft. No, I'm soft. And he does the whole sarcastic, I'm soft bit. That is, I mean, that's just telling us that you're in, that's another signal that you're telling us you're insecure. You listen to everybody talking about you, you're affected by it, and, you know, when you actually go out and prove people wrong, you want to then mock the people that said some bad things about you that affected you. Uh, You know, it actually, by him... Coming out, doing the sarcastic, oh no, I'm soft. It actually shows that he is soft. So, he took a line drive. I'm sitting there going, I was watching the game. I'm sitting there going, oh wow. I mean, that's a rocket off his chest. He's got to be hurting. Stay in the game. Good. That's what we want to see. That toughness, that compete level. Yeah, we just want you to go out and play and go out and pitch. And everything will be all right. You got the talent to make sure everything will be all right in that mound. Long term. But then he has the press conference. And we're right back to, he's a tough guy to root for. Why? Because everything that he said sarcastically, he was. And I say sarcastically because he meant it sarcastically to try to tell us he wasn't. He Everything he said he wasn't, he is. Confusing? David Price has made the David Price experiment very confusing and very hard to root for. He should have just kept playing and kept pitching. And that's all we really want at the end of the day with him. It's all we really want. So uh, I'm back in the swing of things here. Good to get a couple things off my chest. I'll be watching the finals, NBA finals, Stanley Cup finals. Keep an eye on Celtics offseason talk, Bruins offseason talk. Keep an eye on the Patriots as mandatory minicamp is right around the corner. Uh, the Brady Gronkowski saga. Any other bit of news around the sports world. And of course... I have my eye on the professional wrestling world, as I always do. Maybe we'll get Justin Barrasso from Sports Illustrated in studio soon uh, to get caught up. We haven't done uh, a wrestling podcast together since, what, before WrestleMania, which was the first week of April. I did have Ring of Honor's Matt Taven in here a couple weeks ago. Maybe we'll get him in again. Matt Taven, the kingdom. He's getting screwed out of a world title shot still, I see. 
So uh, maybe we'll get him in again. I know he's got some thoughts on the Celtics. He's a big Celtics fan. Maybe we'll we'll get Matt Taven in. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'm working on a couple special guests. You know, we'll see if some people get in my way on this one or not, which they usually do try to get in my way when it comes to me acquiring certain guests. Uh, but if they don't, I'll have some announcements on that front. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook. Again, subscribe to my YouTube page, my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Danny Picard. Get this show whenever you want by subscribing and downloading on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Podcast One, you name it. They have it also on my website, dannypicard.com. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. I am out. Talk to you again on Monday. 